Greetings in the worthy name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that peace and joy which comes from Him. I think above the trembling elements is God's peace and security. Welcome each one to this part of the service and the visitors especially. And uh, if you know anything about the schedule, you know that nothing is holding out this morning. Um, nobody that's is has a part of the service was actually on the schedule, including I myself. But Brother John wasn't feeling well yesterday, and then he finally said this morning at 6 o'clock, he said, I, I'm sorry, not going to make it. So I'm filling in for Brother John. So I am very glad for... Um, that peace and the joy which we get from the Lord Jesus. So I was considering last evening when I was thinking of uh, what I might possibly share in case I'm called to this morning. I had thought of something. I felt I felt led in a certain direction. There was a uh, lesson that I had with the discipleship class last summer at Harmony, and none of you adults were there. And only a few of the children, youth, were there. So I think it will be very appropriate this morning to go with that one. I didn't uh, need to start from scratch with a message. So before we go on, why don't we just stand for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful for your love and your mercy Yes, for the peace which passes understanding, for the grace, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for brothers and sisters who love you and love each other. We thank you, Lord, that you have chosen that we can gather together in a place like this to be instructed, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, and to strengthen each other, and to uh, express both appreciation and concern for each other. I thank you, Lord, and in your wisdom you have done it. You've done it abundantly above, which we would be able to ask or think. And Lord, we also pray for this morning. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak to each one of us, that our time together would be profitable, that we would be strengthened and encouraged. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we would like to speak what I had spoken last July. Uh, we were using the upward call as a, a lesson format, and we were going through it with the discipleship class. And the one that we looked at that evening was discerning impressions. Discerning impressions. It's in the subject of faith and feeling. And, and as, as we as Christians, we express faith in God and we also have feelings within us. And how do you discern whether the impressions you get in your heart are of God or they come from yourself? 
that was the topic. When you want to get direction for your life and you're seeking direction, or when you just simply are um, are going through life and you are impressed about something and that type of thing, it's the whole issue of God told me. It's the whole issue of I prayed about it, I prayed, and I have peace about it. How do you know? Well, it's not as cut and dried as it's seen as we go through the lesson. It's actually not. You can't actually, in many ways, exactly say this is right and this is wrong. It's not that clear. But we will go through. The interesting thing is Christ came on the earth. He established a kingdom. We talked about the kingdom here recently. Christ, the Lord Jesus, is a king. He established his kingdom on the earth, and then he left. The king is not here presently physically. So we have a king, we have a kingdom, we are operating in that kingdom, but the king's not here physically. But we follow our king. That is the context. Okay, uh, as a, I'm going to go interact between the book here and some of the thoughts that I had. And for a first scripture verse, let's turn to Acts chapter 20. Discerning impressions. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 22... Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders there. He's just going by there, and he stopped, and he spoke to them, and he's interacting with them. And in verse 22, he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things, yeah, let's read. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. We'll just stop there. The Holy Ghost was witnessing. In uh, apparently, Paul. Well, it not didn't just come from Paul, but it also came from other people. There were some prophecies going on, but there apparently there was an inner voice of the Spirit, and the Spirit was saying that you are going to Jerusalem, and you're going to have trouble there. That was the voice of the Spirit. Does the Lord still speak through that inner voice? How can we tell whether the voice, whether the Lord is speaking or whether it's simply a feeling or a thought that popped into our mind at a certain time? And these questions are especially troubling to young Christians. 
And uh, not having discernment or not understanding how this works can have very unfortunate situations. Um, one very, one you can easily understand is a young man is seeking a life partner and he has a certain impression of a certain young girl. He feels it's from the Lord. And that young girl has a very decided impression that this man is not the partner for her from the Lord. How do you, how do you explain that? I don't think this has ever happened. I don't know what for urging you've ever had in your heart, but, uh, John Copeland just uses this experience. He said a person may experience a strong urging to shout something out loud in a public meeting or to do something else that seems utterly bizarre. An inner urge, an impression from the Lord. Hearing how God did something very strange in someone else's life may make a sincere Christian susceptible to these inner urgings, especially if he has just made a commitment to be totally devoted to the Lord and not to fear man. And that total devotion um, makes young people especially vulnerable to that kind of impressions. And so how do we distinguish these inner feelings and impressions from the leading of the Spirit? And John says, as I will say this morning, finding the answer is not always as black and white as we may wish. In fact, there is strong evidence that Paul, in the example of the verses that we read, there is strong evidence that Paul actually mixed the impressions of the Spirit with some of his own conclusions, and we'll talk about that later. Now, I'd like to back up a little bit. We are all Christians here, and we believe, we have our view of how the world operates, but, um, so we're, we're, we're focusing pretty closely on a specific thing. I have a GPS unit, I got one a few months ago, and you can zoom out on that thing because if you're right up up close, you can see where you are, but you don't have you don't have a perspective of where you are in the greater picture at times. So sometimes you need to really zoom out. Where am I at? I like to do a little bit of that before we go on. I want to talk about why we have this subject here. Why do we have this worldview? As you observe the world, as you look around here, do you see angels, demons, spirits? You see God? We don't see it. So what we're talking about is the supernatural here. Why do you even think that the supernatural element can even communicate with you or give you direction in life. Your, the way we view the world is going to determine how we interpret reality and phenomenon. 
And, and I'm going to use two extremes. I, I learn the best when I see things by contrast. I learn the best that way. And so we're going to look at two different worldviews to explain natural phenomenon. One of them is naturalism. Naturalism is the idea that what we see is a closed system. The nature of what you see, um, everything that happens has a natural explanation. There is nothing outside nature. There are no spirits, there are no powers outside the natural laws of nature. The cosmos, this is the, this is the buzz thing, the cosmos is all there is, all there ever was, and all there ever will be. So, in that case, your inner impressions are just that. They're just natural impressions. The other side is the spiritism worldview. That is the worldview that the world is governed by spirits. There's a spirit behind every rock and every bush and every sickness and every tragedy and every bad habit and every etc. etc. It's the spirits that are doing it. And the secret to success in life is to be in good standing with the right spirits and to have power over the wrong or bad spirits. That's spiritism. Naturalism, there's no spirits. Spiritism, everything is. Let's get an example. A bus is traveling down the highway. It's going around a curve. There's a rock on the road. It hits the rock. Tire blows out. A, truck, a bus rolls over. And a bunch of people get killed. What caused the crash? The naturalist, how would he explain it? Well, there was a rock on the road. Fixed the rock. Put a new tire on. Get the bus up. Well, get a new bus. And go on. It, it, it just was an accident. That's all it was. You have a spiritist explanation. There was a curse put on the bus. Um, God was going to punish someone in that bus, and the rest of you were along for the ride. Yes, Brother Dave, I, I heard that. <laughs> so that's a spiritist explanation. The spirits did it. Which one is right? Well, how does the world operate? How do we interpret phenomena like a bus accident or your relative's cancer or your anger problems or the impression that you get? How do you explain them? If God has all power and he controls everything, why did he allow the bus accident to happen? Did he cause it? Did he allow it? Was he involved at all? Questions. We believe, I'm going to now give the, what I trust is the in-between-those-extreme views. 
And I understand that not everybody is exactly in the same place. We are at somewhat various places. Some of us lean a little more toward the naturalist view. Some of you no more toward the spiritualist view. We're not all at the same place. I understand that. But there is a middle road. We believe in a natural world that was created by God that is governed by natural laws. We believe that. There is a natural world, and it has natural laws. And people have sought out and discovered those laws and used those laws to their advantage or disadvantage. So we believe in a natural world that was created by God as revealed in the Bible. And this natural world functions according to the natural laws created by God, and he sustains it. But we also believe that God is very active in his creation, and he interacts with especially the pinnacle of his creation, which is man. He interacts with it. He, it's, it's not a closed system. It's not a naturalist world. God interacts with his creation. Let me unpack that a little bit. Let me give you a statistic. Uh, the earliest statistic I could find of workplace deaths was somewhere around 1907. They had statistics in a given year, there were 61 deaths per 100,000 workers. 1907 or 1910, something like that. In 1997, there were four deaths per 100,000 workers. What was the reason for that change? Did God do that or did man do that? interesting to have an answer for that one. Maybe we can talk about that later. But we as Christians are told by God to come to him in faith and ask things of him and we are to, told to expect an answer. Faith in what God says in the Bible is extolled as one of the greatest virtues that man can have. Faith in God. God says it you believe it, that is pleasing to God. God tells he will act on our behalf. We shall not worry. He will supply our needs. We shall love our enemies. And he will take care of us one way or another. So clearly, we do not live in a naturalist closed system. There are both natural and supernatural realities, and we need to interact with both of them. What's a good verse to demonstrate that? Any verse come to your mind? How about this one? Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You have bread, and you have the word of God. You need both, don't we? We need both. We need bread. Does God supernaturally supply us bread? Usually not. But we need the word of God also.
So whether the whether mankind in general accepts it or not, this is not a naturalist universe that we live in. It is not just nature. There is a spiritual reality that is just as real as this podium is. Don't forget the water, too. That's a reality, too. But I don't see it. It's a reality, even if I don't see it. Is that right? If I don't see that water down there, and I dump this over, it's not going to spill, right? Because I don't see it. No. The reality is, there's a spiritual reality. Even if mankind, even if we don't believe it, it's still not, it doesn't change a thing. There's a spiritual reality. And there's a spiritual dimension on us as a person that is as real as the body that we feed and clothe and dress and sleep each day, only that spiritual reality is longer lasting. So, we're talking today about impressions. When shall I make decisions based on my mind and intellect which God has given me and are yielded to him? Or when should I get specific direction in my spirit for direction in life. When should I use my mind and my intellect, which is yielded to God, and when do I need to get a specific impression in my life? Wouldn't you like to have that answer? Okay, now we're going to go back to the book. And I'm going to do pretty well what I did that evening um, principles of Holy Spirit direction, John Copeland gives so many, many directions here. He says, the Holy Spirit honors certain channels in giving his direction. The Holy Spirit, we're talking about impressions now, the Holy Spirit will honor certain channels in giving his direction. God's word stands as a continuing message from the Spirit. We need to be if we want leading of the Spirit in our lives, we need to be regularly in, in the Word of God. God speaks to those who are in tune with Him. Now, He makes an exception. He says that this, it is true that there are places in the world where the Bible is scarce or unknown, and God speaks and moves in ways that are that are extra not extra biblical that's not the right word he god may give special revelation to his people but if we have the word of god we should stick with his word other spiritual channels are prayer counsel from authority figures and the fellowship of the saints or the brothers and sisters if we focus on hearing what God says in his word, on what he tells us on our knees, on what he tells us through the counsel of our leaders, and on what he tells us through the brotherhood, then we have a basis for evaluating the inner voices we hear. If we have those channels in place, we have a basis for evaluating those impressions, those urges, 
how do I know they're of God or not? Well, we have some certain channels. Are they in line with the word of God? Have you, have you sought God in prayer? Have you, have you interacted with others to see if they would get similar impressions? So, we have a basis for evaluating them, whether they are the spirit or whether they are of our own imagination. The number two point that he has is, the first one was, the Holy Spirit honors certain channels in giving his direction. Number two is, discerning the voice of the Spirit requires spiritual maturity. And often young Christians have difficulty with understanding inner impressions. Usually they are sincere Christians, willing to do God's will, but confused about his voice. And again, that's a good reason why we should use the channels that we spoke about earlier. As mentioned earlier, as I mentioned, Paul may have misinterpreted the voice of the Spirit. If we go back to Acts 20, in Acts 20 there, in verse 23, he says, The Holy Ghost witnesses in every sitting, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. The Holy Ghost was clearly saying that to Paul, both in his own heart and also in the hearts of other people. Now, down at verse 25, he said something. And now, behold, I go, I know that ye all, among whom I had gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Now, there's pretty good evidence, if you piece Paul's life together, that he actually did go through that area later on in life. So, the voice of the Spirit, that he was going to have bonds and afflictions, was true. Did he then... Since he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be put to jail, whatever, all kinds of stuff, that means I'm done. And that he actually put his own interpretation of what the Spirit said, and he interpreted it, it meant, I'm never going to see you again. And later on, that part was his own impression, not the Holy Spirit's. It was a deduction that he made from the Spirit of God. And that was the Apostle Paul. Do you think that could happen to any of us? think it could so and uh if you go to first john i don't turn there but first john 4 1 says beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of god because many false prophets are gone out into the world so apostle john warned that we need to try the spirits because it is misunderstanding and deception are possible when it comes to those impressions. And young Christians should be especially careful about basing their ideas or decisions on inner impressions alone. I say young Christians. I think that should be for any of us. Then, number three point is the Holy Spirit honors Christ. Now, we want direction for life. We want let's say this. We want our businesses to prosper, don't we? Before we 
before we make major decisions, we want to know um, whether we should get into this new career or go in this new area or buy this house. Uh, one, some of the reason is is we just want to be successful. There's actually people that base their business decisions and their investing and their purchasing and selling and investments, they all try to get the impression of God because it, it brings success. And and uh, John says, unless those decisions are for the advancement of Christ and his kingdom, we have good reason to doubt whether the direction of the Holy Spirit will be in those kinds of endeavors. The Holy Spirit is given to honor Christ, not so that we might use him as a tool to make us rich or happy or comfortable. When we focus on inner impressions, we easily move away from guidance by faith to guidance by feeling. We may neglect the word. We may ignore the counsel of the authority God has placed over us. We may ignore spiritual fellowship and the shaping work of brotherhood. And guidance by feeling leaves us open to spiritual danger. It was interesting. Um, I was just doing a little bit of study on contemporary Christian music. And one of the... uh, one of the examples that was given in music, um, her name was Marcia Stevens, I think her name was. She wrote that song, For Those Tears I Died. You're probably familiar with that song. Um, Martha Stevens, Marcia, I think her name is, was actually her testimony that she was walking or she had a vision. See, I'm not sure what she was doing, but she had a vision. She had a vision, and she saw Jesus. Jesus was walking on the shore or whatever it was, and and Jesus just told her to come and to trust him. I, I, I wish I had more of a thought. I've just thought of it right now. I wish I have a better understanding. But this was her testimony of how that changed her life. And then she wrote this song, Come to the Water. And, uh, and the whole thing is, For those tears I died which actually Jesus didn't die for our tears. He did die for our sins, though. That is actually unscriptural. Well, Marcia, she had an experience. She believed that experience to be from God. She followed those feelings and experiences that she had. She followed them. She continued to follow them. Uh, within a number of years, she divorced her husband. She actually was a lesbian, and she married or lived with another woman. And she actually started a Christian ministry, ministering to lesbians, because she continued to follow her feelings. Uh, you look at her life, you can just see that her life was not based on the Word of God. It was based on experience. It was based on her feelings. And what she thought was right, and if she would have talked to other people, which I'm sure it did, they would have told her that something's wrong here. So here are some dangers of following our feelings or following our impressions. This is right out of the book from The Upward Call. 
And number one, it leads, it can lead to a seeking for signs or seeking after signs. To some people, it seems exciting to be able to relate spectacular stories of special signs and voices and visions. Unfortunately, at the bottom of this is a human pride rather than the glory of God. I have to be careful here. I have to be very careful. We are talking about the dangers. The fact that God leads us and gives us impressions, I am not negating that, okay? There is that reality. I'm talking about dangers here, okay? And so, spectacular stories... Special signs or visions. Let me put an appeal out here to be, at the very least, skeptical of spectacular books about visions of heaven or hell. Okay? Let me put at least skepticism. When I was a new Christian, I went over to Lawrence Martin. Some of you know Lawrence Martin. Back in 1991, something like that. And he handed me a paper. It was not an email. It would have been an email be now. But he handed me a paper of a story of the Russians. The Russians, of course, back then, they were, well, they were merging out of it. But back then, the Russians, they were an atheist, communist country. That was the way we grew up. Uh, atheists, that's who they were. And they were doing a research project. They were digging a hole deep into the earth. They were going to see what's down. They were going deep. They were going deep. They went miles down. And this is the story. I was reading this story. And uh, they, they put their instruments down then to check what's there. And then they heard this noise. They heard this wailing and they heard this, oh, just kind of, and, and they finally come to, they, they've actually tapped into hell, this story said. And Lawrence Martin said, what do you take of that? Well, I don't know what to do with that. What was I? I was a young Christian. What am I supposed to do with a story like that? Later on, the man, they know the man who wrote the story. He said he did it on purpose to see how gullible Christians are. He did it for that purpose. And people believed it by the, I don't know, thousands, millions, I'm not sure. I, I just scratched my head and didn't know what to do with it. But I'd like to put an appeal of seeking after signs with these books. At least be skeptical, at the very least. They are signs. They are stories. They are spectacular. They might be true. They might not. How are you going to tell? So, dangers of following our feelings. Number two, avoid the responsi- avoiding the responsibility of making decisions. If you just follow your feelings, you may avoid the responsibility of making decisions. That Christians need to make decisions, sometimes very difficult decisions. Sometimes we seek an inner word from the Lord or a sign to determine whether we ought, what we ought to do. If we are not careful, we may simply be attempting to avoid the responsibility of making a decision 
ourselves. Trying to hear an inner voice rather than wisely weighing what we are facing and therefore making a decision. Based on the truth, as you understand it, sometimes we have to make a decision based on that rather than a special sign or a particular impression. Another one, and this one I touched on before, is the danger of following our feeling is using the Lord told me as a means of bolstering our thoughts or actions. The Lord told me, I, um, I was, num- many years ago, I was with a group of young men. We were energetic, zealous young men, and we were on some kind of a mission trip, and we were on our way home. Uh, four of us in this vehicle, and we're driving down this two-lane road, and the driver of the vehicle says, ah, the Spirit tells me to drive down this road. So we drove down that road, and it was a dead-end road. Now what we do? <laughs> we turned around, came back to the main road, and went down the highway. Well, now what was that? What was that? Well, of course, if we'd have kept on going, we'd have been in a major accident up ahead, right? Well, who knows? I, I don't know. But that's the thing that we can do. But thus saith the Lord, or we say the Lord told me, thus we can consciously or subconsciously hide our actions from evaluation by using that. I am not saying, you cannot say the Lord told me, or I feel impressed with the Lord. I'm not saying that, Okay. And just giving some of the dangers of over-emphasizing that kind of thing. That's what I'm doing. And maybe one of you can give a balance to this message sometime, okay? Number four, one, another one of the dangers is opening oneself indiscriminately to the spiritual realm. Perhaps the biggest danger of a focus... Remember, the focus on inner impressions is that we open ourselves to voices that are not from the Lord. There are many spirits beside the Holy Spirit who are eager to speak to us. And Paul was warned that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 1 Timothy 4.1 the direction of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who are honoring Christ is precious beyond measure. We are thrilled when we read the book of Acts to see how the Spirit guided the work of the church. And it's proper to seek the inner guidance of the same Spirit today, but we must be aware of abuse and counterfeits. Then I have a list of five points that, about impressions that I shared with the youth that day, and then maybe later we can have a little bit of the, the study questions at the end. Five points about impressions. You are seeking God. When you are not sure something is of the Spirit of God, you're not sure, tread very softly and back off. Use the scripture as your guide and not your feelings. P, 
peace is often or usually a companion and an attribute of the Holy Spirit in making decisions. Now, you have to be careful with that. Because like I said earlier, I prayed about it and have, I prayed and I have peace about this. Well, I have heard people having peace about very unscriptural things. And so using that as an only guide is not a valid or a, uh, a good way. Okay, so when you're number one, where you're not sure something of the Spirit of God, back off. Tread softly. Number two. When you are confident it is of God, stand firm. Sometimes, even against some other people's doubts. Now, here's where it becomes a little questionable because you have the brotherhood working. But you know that many times in history, there is men who have done things that had heard from God and the prevailing culture they were in was not there. I, 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 I tremble a little bit to even give that direction. And yet we need some of that. We need some of that grit, some of that confidence in God in our midst. So God loves to do the impossible by faith. And still in this day and age. So if you are sure it's from God... Go through the proper channels that were mentioned earlier, and then go for it. Number three, uh, be careful on emphasis on intellectualism. Now, remember, we had an emphasis on feelings. It's wrong to have focus on feelings. It's also not good to have too much focus on your mind. So knowledge alone makes us puffed up or arrogant. You can have lots of knowledge and no faith and no love. It's all about truth. You can have all that knowledge and completely miss it. So be careful on an emphasis on knowledge alone. Number four, be cautious about fanaticism. This one gets sometimes almost close to home in my past, when you have zealous young people that want to serve God, they are in, they're susceptible to fanaticism. Fanaticism occurs in the context when there's excess or intense devotion on one certain truth or area that lacks balance. And, and fanaticism occurs when, when a person, his mind just goes down this one trail and he just thinks this is so important and we, this is something we all gotta have and, and, and the focus just zeroes in on that and loses perspective of the greater part of the Christian life. And and when he's in that place, the emotions just motivate and drive that person to do things that are wrong, out of order. The emotions take control and one's actions can become bizarre and unhealthy. 
I was just thinking, um, Alan, you probably heard of Jim Jones, that man that led 700-some people to uh, suicide by drinking this, this poison. Well, that was, it was not exactly, but there was fanaticism there. There was, uh, they were very anti-government. They were very believing in conspiracies. They were doing a whole bunch of things, and then they had a cult-like leader, and they had a, a, a lot of things in there, but they had fanaticism there. That's uh, one of the most unhorrible things about fanaticism in that case, but we can have it in much smaller ways than that. And you can get fanatic about anything. <laughs> A to Z. It can be anywhere. But fanaticism, be careful about fanaticism. A lack of perspective, a lack of balance. Number five, five points about impressions. Be careful about emotionalism. Now, this is the opposite of intellectualism. It's where you make the heart the center of your life. And it's all about emotion. It's about how you feel. It's not about facts. It's, it's, um, it's, um, someone who, who is, you know, could a Christian life, it's susceptible to this in the case in that God asks us to believe Him on His Word. Take Abraham for an example. Abraham was told, you're going to be, you're going to have a child. Sarah's going to have a child. And he said, this is impossible. But he was honored for believing that. And so we are called to not always believe the facts. The facts. But emotionalism is when you're out of touch with the facts. And you just, the motor of your life is your emotions, how you feel. Which brings you not only very unstable, but it will take you places that you shouldn't go. Uh, emotionalism occurs also when we build our faith on experience. Experience is a wonderful thing. We all have experiences, but don't build your faith on your experience. I, I wish I would have thought of an example. I can't think of an example right now. But um, we call it a rock. The, the Word of God, it's a solid foundation, the solid rock. Experience is more like sand. You can't base reality on experience. You must base it on the Word of God. If you, if the experience lines up with the Word of God, great. But if you have an experience that does not line up with the Word of God, it's nothing. It's, it's wrong. So, emotionalism. Okay. That, uh, goes with that. Now I have maybe some questions here. This is a, this is as far as my message went. I'll have left over here some questions, but I think it would be profitable to ask some questions. What are some unfortunate things that can happen when a person mistakes his own ideas for the voice of the Holy Spirit? Think in your mind. What are some unfortunate things that can happen? When you mistake the voice of the Spirit, mistake your own voice 
or your own ideas for the voice of the Spirit. And I know we had one example already it, um, about the, the young man and the young woman. That's an unfortunate thing. How about the Spirit told me that I don't need to wear the veiling? You've heard that many times. Probably some of you sisters have heard that. The Spirit, God told me. Maybe you have some other ideas. Anybody want to volunteer? Yes. right that brings another example that we just read just this past week the uh, shooter's wife you know the shooter's wife the nickel mine shooting the the man that killed those five students in the army schoolhouse his wife was a survivor and it was horrible for her she remarried Seven, four months, seven months later, to a divorced man. She just felt that God just so close, and God told her to do that. Be another one. Any other unfortunate thing can happen when you take your own ideas rather than the Word of God. Okay, I'll go to another one. Um, it's here, it just says here, list the ways the Holy Spirit provides guidance other than through an inner voice. And I think we remember that. The Word of God, through prayer, through authority figures, and through brothers and sisters. Those are other ways that the Holy Spirit provides guidance. Said, so why is it important to test our inner urging by these other channels of his direction? That, that's a good one. Yes. Amen. Yes. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you know our own hearts? That's right. Very good. Yes. We all tend to be unbalanced in some ways. That's right. Good. If it's a focus on you, yeah. If it brings focus on you, it's probably not a health thing. In which context you feel an inner urging, say God told me type of thing, or you're you're not doing. Yes. That's right. That, that is the whole goal. We have a king. We have a king that's not present, but we are serving that king, right? Yeah. Probably another way to say it. When everybody's coming to town to hear you, you probably ought to get out of town. <laughs> when everybody's coming to town to hear you, you probably ought to get out of town. Okay. If they follow you, then what? Okay. Okay. 
Yeah. I'm just thinking of inner urgings. Inner urgings are anything. I'm driving a truck, and I'm driving down to in town, and there's an attractive young woman on the sidewalk, and I have an inner urging. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that the spirit urging me to look? Now, we have urgings of all kinds, but that one is very clear. We know that's not the spirit of God, and yet we do have urgings. We must know. We must discern whether the spirit, it's the spirit speaking or whether it's our flesh. Okay, let me see if I have any others that would be. How do people try to use the spirit's direction for selfish interest? We touched on that a little bit. Anybody have any thoughts? How do people, how can we try to use the Spirit's direction for selfish interest? And we had talked about it earlier, personal success and fulfillment. Focus again on self rather than on the kingdom of God. Trying to use the Spirit. Describe the blessings of being led by the Spirit. Now we could spend, but describe some blessings of being led by the Spirit of God. Do you have any thoughts on that one? Anybody want to share in that one? Yes. Amen. The blessing of being led by the Spirit. That means that you become a successful prophet, right? Not necessarily. Success is not always the blessing of being led by the Spirit. Success what we talk about in human terms. Uh, thinking of Isaiah. How successful was he in his ministry? seemed like nobody was listening to him, but he was following the Spirit of God, and he was blessed. One of the blessings, or many of the blessings are, there's an assurance, there's a peace, there's a rest, there's a confidence that God gives to us when we follow 
the leading of the Spirit, when we seek his leading, we follow it because we love God. And uh, reassuring, comforting, assurance, and peace that he gives. There's a confidence. There's a relationship. There's, there's a growth in our relationship in that blessing. I have one more question for you. Was there ever a time when you felt the leading of the Spirit and you followed that leading and you found out later on that was not the Spirit of God? Did that ever happen to you? Who would like to share one? I, I know there were some times in my life, but I can't remember of any right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's one more thing I'd like to like to say. When uh, Satan came far as as using the Word of God and using by faith and the promises of God, Satan came to Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness and said, "There's a promise, Jesus, that applies to you. If you get up in the temple and you jump off." There's this promise in the word of God that will take care of you. The angels will lift you up that you don't dash your foot against the stone. That's a promise of God. Jesus, go prove that promise. It was wrong. It was the wrong application of scripture. When we, when we look at the word of God, when we look at faith, when we look at the promises of God, they must be, they must be uh, the application must be in the context of Scripture. And that was outside of context. And Jesus said, uh, Do not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay. So if none of you have any confessions made about the inner urgings and how you were wronged, then I guess we'll just close it. I'll give you a little bit of time if anyone has anything like that. We can talk about it afterwards in a smaller group. Okay, why don't we just kneel for a word of prayer, if you could. Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful, Lord, as we look at the wisdom, how you have created everything, created a natural world for us to live in, and then then told us, and and, how, and uh, directed us, Lord, to seek out you and to seek out your will and your purpose in life. Lord, we just pray for this as we think of the topic this morning. I just pray, Lord, that it could be a benefit to each one of us. Help each one of us, Lord, to apply it in a way that will bring glory to you in your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to be aware of the dangers, the spiritual dangers, Lord, of, uh, of this world that we live in and the, and the enemy and the devil. And then help us, Lord, to follow truly in your steps, in your way, to seek you for the direction and the, and the, the direction that we should go and for the decisions that we need to make. And I just pray, Lord, that you be with each one of us and uh, use us, your word, and the brothers as we seek for direction also. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.